In tonight's episode, we continue on in our Fight Club series, which is focusing on conflict resolution. We've talked about the damage that offense and unaddressed conflict can do to our relationships. We've talked about key and critical questions that we have to ask ourselves when dealing with offense, including whether we have expressed our expectations and set clear and enforceable boundaries. Last week, we really broke that third question down and talked about three types of boundaries and five common responses that we may encounter when we start to establish and enforce them. So tonight, we're going to really focus on defining what conflict is, different types of conflict, and the important differences between resolution, forgiveness, and reconciliation. Stay tuned. Hey friend, welcome back. So we're going to jump right into it. Remember that our scripture reference for this whole series is Proverbs 18:19. So if you've not read it, if you've not written it down, if you've not studied and meditated on it, I'm going to highly encourage you to do so because that scripture was the catalyst for this whole series. It really speaks to the fact that if we do not handle disagreements well, if we do not handle offense well, and if we let conflict breed resentment and bitterness, we're going to ultimately destroy our relationships. The beautiful thing is that God has given us wisdom to know how to handle all of these issues and to do it consistently and to do it well. We've talked about um, what boundaries look like, and we have talked about how to express expectations. We've talked about how to not let ourselves be so easily offended and really call ourselves to the carpet to determine if we're being overly sensitive or if this is indicative of a pattern of behavior that is harmful, toxic, or abusive. So we've done a lot of work already in just the past couple of weeks. And tonight we're going to continue on by really breaking down what conflict is, some types of conflict that we're going to encounter in our relationships or just internally within ourselves, as well as really getting into the differences between resolution, forgiveness, and reconciliation. And that's so important to me because I think that a lot of our relationships are hindered because we think that coming to a resolution is the same thing as forgiveness and it's the same thing as reconciliation. And that cannot be farther from the truth. Each one has its own distinct characteristics and its own distinct application. And we're going to talk about how we can use wisdom to discern whether we're going to come to a resolution, whether this is an act of forgiveness that we're going to bestow, and whether this relationship or situation can be reconciled. Sound good? Great. So let's talk about conflict first. In its most simplest definition, conflict is basically where you have a battle of the wills, a battle of core values, a battle of perception, where generally it is two people who are coming to a head because we cannot agree on the right way to continue, or we cannot agree on how things have transpired so far. We have different experiences, different perspectives, different preferences, and all of that is clouding our ability to see each other's point of view and to move forward amicably. So when you think of a conflict, think of it as a disagreement. It can be a struggle. It can be a battle over opposing principles, a disagreement, a struggle, or a battle over opposing principles. In the Bible, when Paul 
the Apostle Paul wrote about conflict, he often presented it using the Greek word agon, which is where we get the English word agony, right? So when you think of agony, you think of strife, you think of struggle, you think of pain. But originally, the meaning of that Greek keyword agon would refer to spectators who would gather to view the Greek Olympic Games. So it seems like it has two totally polarizing definitions and how we use it in the English language and how it was intended in its original Greek. And so I want you to kind of think of that because when I first read it, it gave me imagery when it comes to conflict. That if agon, which is the root word that Paul would have used to describe conflict in the New Testament, if that word was to describe spectators who would view games, it made me automatically think, well, how is conflict related to a game? How do the two coincide, if at all? And so I started to get this picture, this imagery, this analogy of conflict being very much like a game right? Think about it this way. In a game, just like in conflict, there's always this underlying idea that there has to be a winner, that someone has to be right, right? Has to come out on top. Also, whenever you play a game, there's normally rules of engagement. There are instructions that you follow. Now, if you're anything like me and my family, those rules get lost, that little piece of paper, and we just kind of go from memory. It's never the same way twice, but there are rules of engagement. The way the game was designed is explained in the rules and you get the most enjoyment out of it when you follow the rules. And in that same way, although conflict isn't always going to be enjoyable, it doesn't have to be something that we avoid either. And we can, from the onset, set up rules of engagement, how we are going to interact in the event that we have a conflict that helps the process go a little more smoothly, that helps to manage expectations both on our part and the part of the other person that we may be having conflict with. So it made me think about a few things. What are some rules for engagement? If I were going to approach conflict like a game, so to speak, what would be some rules for engagement that I would employ? And I think one of them would be, we have to agree from the onset that we're going to focus on what's right and not who's right. This is something that a former pastor of mine used to say often, and I think it's very wise. Because if we can agree that we're going to focus and pursue what's right, then we'll both be willing to give. We'll both be willing to compromise. We'll both be willing to hear one another out to get to the perfect solution. If instead we only focus on who's right, it's pretty obvious that we're going to side with ourselves and we will keep pushing our point, our perspective, our agenda over the common good. So if we instead choose to focus on what's right, then we can agree that we're going to work together to get there, even if it's uncomfortable, even if it means I have to give a little or you have to give a little. Another great rule for engagement, if we're going to approach conflict like a game, is that we're going to set out the rules for how we're going to speak to one another. I mentioned this in a reel that I have on my Instagram, which is Shania underscore Lambert, by the way, that Dr. Brene Brown, um, who is one of the most forward thinkers when it comes to leadership, when it comes to emotional intelligence, when it comes to relationships, she talked about how her and her husband have a game plan for when they're both drained and they don't feel that they can give 100% and how they cover down for each other in those times. That's so ingenious because you need to have a plan for when things go wrong while things are still going right. Let me say it again. You need to have a plan for how you're going to handle when things go wrong 
while things are still going right. Once the conflict has already arisen, it's going to be really hard to backtrack and get both of you on the same page. But if you already have a plan in place that when conflict arises, this is when we're going to talk about it. This is how we're going to speak to each other. We've already agreed that we're going to focus on what's right and not who's right. If you set those things out in advance, then you have a framework. You have a boundary. You have a safe place during which you can resolve that conflict, during which you can discuss that conflict without heaping on the additional emotions of frustration and aggravation and things of that nature. So make sure that you engage with these rules, that you implement these rules before the conflict even arises. Another key thing that you can do is employ safe words. If I'm not, if I'm so upset and I'm frustrated or I'm so anxious in this moment that I cannot discuss this with you right now, what is a safe word that I can use that lets you know right away, this isn't the time. I can't engage with you right now. It's not going to be a productive conversation. It's probably not going to be a kind conversation. And we're certainly not going to be able to come to a resolution, which is our goal, right? Resolution is our goal to be able to come to an agreement about how we're going to handle this issue, how we're going to address this conflict. So employ safe words. If in the middle of addressing the conflict, you can tell that things are going left and the conversation is no longer productive, it's not going to be effective. What is something that we're going to say that's going to give the other person that indication that we need to pause, right? Because sometimes when you're in the middle of it, you can't put the words together to string together an articulate sentence that expresses how you feel. Have those safe words ready and available and agree that you're going to honor them without explanation, without pushback. If the other person expresses or says this safe word, it means that we're going to, right? So that's another rule that we can put in place. Also, let's start about, let's talk about setting those expectations and boundaries. What are some things that you're willing to discuss? Do you need time after conflict has arisen to cool down before we discuss? What are your expectations for how we're going to resolve issues? How have you done it in the past? What has worked for you? What hasn't worked for you? This is, again, why that whole ability to be vulnerable within your relationships, that ability to express your expectations is so important because you start to build a framework for a safe place to operate. And that's really what this is about because the safety net isn't that you'll never have conflict. If you're going into your relationships, whether personal, professional, uh, a mentor relationship, a, a parenting or familial relationship, whatever it may be, if your expectation is that there's never going to be conflict, you are setting yourself up to fail. Conflict is a healthy dynamic of every kind of relationship because we are not cookie cutter. Remember that conflict can just be a disagreement over opposing principles, meaning we have different perspectives. We have different expectations. And I care enough about you to have a conversation about that, to communicate about that, and to do so safely with a goal towards resolution. So the safety net, the safe place is not that there's no conflict. The safe place exists for where we will handle the conflict. This is the context in which we will 
um, address the conflict. And so it allows just a very safe boundary, a safe place. Remember we talked about, I think in last week's episode about that baby gate, right? You set up that baby gate because you know within that gate, your, your baby is safe. That's a safe place for them to move and to operate, to step outside of that gate would do harm to them. So when conflict arises, we're going inside this baby gate. We're going inside this safe place that we've already predetermined we can operate and we can come to a resolution or at least begin that process without adding on the additional harmful danger of being upset and frustrated and random and just kind of throwing everything at it, every emotion that we're feeling we've decided in advance that this is how we're going to address it. This is our standard operating procedures, right? This is how we address when these issues arise within this quote unquote organization that is our relationship, right? And so we're going to talk when we come back after this short break about different types of conflict. And there are four, and we're going to go over in just very general terms, but I want you to start expanding your mind about how you think about conflict so that you can more easily identify it. Because friend, once you can identify it, then you'll know how to address it. And you'll be the one that people will be going to for the answers and the solutions. And that is ultimately what we desire, to be able to use the wisdom of God, to be able to transform our lives and the lives of those around us. So we'll be right back. Okay, welcome back. So we've been talking about the definition of conflict and how it is much like a game. And if conflict operates like a game, that there are rules that we can put in place to make sure that we engage properly, that we get the best possible experience out of the situation that we can, some safety nets that we can place in, put in place, some boundaries, if you will, to make sure that we can address conflict without having to exacerbate the issue and make it worse than it already may be. And so now we're going to be talking about some different types of conflict. And there are four that I'm going to go over with you just very briefly. And so the first is intrapersonal conflict. That's I-N-T-R-A, personal conflict. And this is going to be conflict that we have with ourselves, a struggle within us when we're trying to decide between two or more choices. Now, intrapersonal conflict is something that can be alleviated by taking the time to explore our expectations, explore what it is that we want. Because the more that we come to know us, the greater that we are able to establish those core values, which is the foundation for all of the decisions that we make, including the relationships we engage in, the choices that we make for our lives. All of that is rooted in what it is that truly matters to us. So if we're trying to reduce the amount of inner struggle, inner turmoil, then it really starts with exploring who we are, what we've been created to do, what our purpose is, and being able to articulate that to ourselves first, right? Define it for us first in a way that really establishes those core values and makes it easier for us to make decisions that reflect what it is that's important to us. So the first type of conflict is intra- personal conflict. An easy example of that, for example, would be something as simple as your career field, that maybe you've been offered two jobs and you're trying to determine which job to take, or maybe you have the opportunity to move to a new city or a new state. 
and you're trying to determine if you should make that move. It could be something on a deeper level, interpersonal conflict regarding some of your emotional needs, some of your physical needs, uh, struggles with sin that maybe you've had over time. It can definitely get deeper than a simple move, but at the root of it, it all lies in establishing those core values and doing that time to explore who you are in Christ being able to be confident about that identity. And then once that is solidified, you will find that that inner turmoil, that inner conflict will reduce greatly. The second is inter. So the first one was intrapersonal. This is interpersonal. And this is where you have conflict between you and someone else. This is a very common form of conflict. It is the kind that I think we've been discussing the most when we talk about conflict that arises in relationships. It's also rooted in the scripture that we've been using, Proverbs 18, 19. And this is where you have kind of a clash of ideas between two people, right? It could be more, two or more, but they're individuals' interests who are represented. So it could be a group of three friends who all are wanting something different or in conflict, right? Three business partners who are all wanting something different but it's individual interests that are clashing. The third type is going to be intra-organizational conflict, intra-organizational conflict. And this is where you have conflict that is within a group. So remember with intra-personal, it was conflict within yourself. Interpersonal is conflict between more than one person. And then intra-organizational means there's conflict within a group. So that could be conflict within a family, it could be conflict within a church. It could be conflict within a department of your business, but there's conflict that has arisen that is limited to that core group, whether it's a family, a business, um, a country, whatever it may be, the conflict is limited to that group. But then you can have inter-organizational conflict. And that just like interpersonal conflict is going to involve more than one group. So remember an interpersonal, it was more than one person, right? And then inter-organizational could be more than one organization where you got churches that are beefing with each other, countries that are beefing with each other, conflict between two extracurricular groups in your college. You understand what I'm saying? It's organizations who don't have conflict within them, but they have conflict with another organization. So those are four types of conflict. And once you can identify those four different types, your approaches to resolution will look very different. How you resolve your intrapersonal conflict may look very different from how you would resolve intra-organizational conflict, because then you're not just speaking for you. You're bringing your core values and your resolutions to the table, but there's other people that you have to take into consideration. So your negotiating skills, your communication skills have to become a little bit more sensitized, a little more nuanced, a little bit more complex. And so this is kind of if you're thinking about, man, I really want to grow in my conflict resolution skills, I would say start with your intrapersonal skills. Start with resolving conflict within yourself first, because it's going to be very difficult for you to address conflict that has arisen in groups, um, in organizations, in relationships that you're a part of, if you're not able to first address the conflict that is arising within you. And I wish I could say that these things are compartmentalized, that you'll have the time to just sit and work on you. 
but we all know that life be life and there's a good chance that there's going to be conflict in multiple areas at once. And so your job is to really dig into this, to learn those skills that will serve you and your relationships and your organizations, and to give yourself grace as you're working through it all. But if you had a place to start, if everything in your life is fairly calm right now, I would say start with you. Start with you first. So four types of conflict, intrapersonal, interpersonal, intra-organizational, and inter-organizational. When we come back, we're going to address the differences between resolution, forgiveness, and reconciliation. And if you're tempted to leave, this is not the time. You want to make sure that you come back. Okay, welcome back for the final part of this current episode that we're doing that really breaks down conflict, breaks down the differences between types of conflict, and now we're talking about something that is so critical to proper conflict resolution, and that is the difference between resolution, forgiveness, and reconciliation. We're going to settle this once and for all. There shall be no more confusion, I declare it in the name of Jesus, regarding the differences between resolution, forgiveness, and reconciliation. So resolution is the goal for every conflict that you face, right? I don't care who it's with. I don't care what it's about. And if you're you're questioning that, it's because I guarantee you, you have an incorrect understanding of what resolution is or an incomplete understanding of what, rec- I'm sorry, what resolution is. Resolution. Resolution is coming to an agreement about how you're going to move forward. But this is the thing, that resolution can be unilateral. For example, if there is a situation that you have decided it is no longer your best interest to continue in that relationship, that situationship, that partnership, whatever ship it may be, you can make the resolution all by yourself that you're no longer going to continue in that relationship. And guess what? No one can make you. No one can make you stay. So when we talk about an agreement, it can be an intrapersonal, unilateral agreement that I'm deciding that I have come to a solution. I have resolved I'm not going to continue in this relationship, and I'm certainly not going to continue in it in the way that it's been going, right? You get to set boundaries. Resolutions are boundaries about what you will and won't engage in who you will and will not participate in relationship with, where you will go, where you won't go, right? Emotionally, physically, spiritually, mentally, there is a resolution. Now within relationship, there can also be resolution where the two of you come to an agreement, you come to an answer. And sometimes the answer is no. Sometimes the answer is this cannot continue on the way that it's been going. And we've determined that um, we're good with that. We're okay with that. We're no longer moving forward with that. And that's just, is what it is, right? So that's a resolution. A resolution means we have come to an answer. We have analyzed the situation. We have assessed the situation. We have recalibrated where we can. It maybe is or isn't working. And now we've come to an answer about what we're going to do. Reconciliation is on the other end of the spectrum, right? So in between, sometimes resolution and reconciliation is often where we find forgiveness, which often gets confused is this idea that resolution means that we're reconciling, that resolution means that forgiveness has been requested and given. Um, And sometimes that forgiveness is also the same thing as reconciliation, and it's not. So we've got to try to keep this clear. Resolution is that we have come to an answer 
We have assessed, we have made a decision, right? Either I've done it unilaterally, serving my own best interest, right? Which is okay. It is okay to be selfish when it comes to protecting your peace, or we have come to an agreement together. That agreement may be that we have implemented some things that we think will improve this situation. Um, but the agreement may also be that this conflict is going to be resolved by us no longer continuing going forward together. Right. And we're going to talk about it a little bit uh, using a scripture that I think will also help to really kind of clarify all of this. So resolution is the answer to the conflict, right? The answer to the conflict may sometimes be that the relationship or whatever it is won't continue. Or it may be an issue in personal conflict where you have made a decision that means that obviously you can't go both ways. So you got to say yes to one thing and no to something else. Next, we would progress into this idea of forgiveness. So let's just say that what has caused this conflict was an offense, an act committed by another person against you. And you guys have resolved that perhaps this is a relationship that you believe can be salvaged. You want it to go forward. And now the next step is this idea or issue of forgiveness. So this is forgiving the offense, forgiving what has happened, forgiving the action, right? Where forgiveness can get complex is that it also can be a unilateral event or it can be something that is um, done together in partnership. What, what do I mean? So forgiveness can be unilateral in that when you have been harmed, when you have been offended, when you have been hurt or abused um, in some way, that you don't have the choice about whether you ought to forgive as it relates to you, as it relates to releasing yourself from the burden of carrying the weight of another person's actions. So I'm going to say that that's where forgiveness should always begin with being unilateral, that I'm going to forgive the action because I can't carry around that bitterness. I can't carry around that anger. I refuse to carry around that resentment and let that other person's action change who I am. The next step is if that person has asked for forgiveness, and is expressing that desire through repentance, meaning they are no longer doing what it was that they are asking forgiveness for, then we can talk about bestowing forgiveness for their benefit and the benefit of this relationship continuing. Now, I know that may seem different than maybe what you have encountered in the past, but I think that's why so many of us have been adverse to expressing forgiveness, to showing forgiveness, because either on one end of the spectrum, we feel like by expressing forgiveness, we're releasing them from the responsibility of having to pay the consequences for their actions. Or we go to the other extreme and think that as believers, as Christians, our call to forgive means that we have to accept harmful, abusive treatment that violates all of our personal boundaries, right? Both are wrong. Both are in error. We don't operate in extremes. This is why wisdom and discernment is important. We forgive actions 100% of the time. We forgive actions 100% of the time because we are not going to carry the weight that those actions are trying to inure upon us, that those actions will weigh upon us. When it comes to forgiving the person, and considering whether that relationship shall be reconciled, that can only happen when that person has expressed repentance. Even with us in our relationship with Christ, forgiveness is always available. But what is required first? That we confess and that we repent. So it's not just that if someone's actions are found out, you're called to forgive them and continue on in relationship. It's not even if they just express sorrow that they've been caught. 
have they shown any indication of a godly remorse, a godly sorrow that would lead to repentance? Because that's the first step before we can talk about reconciling. That type of forgiveness has to happen before we can jump to the idea of this relationship continuing. Amos 3.3 reads, do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so? Unless they have agreed to do so. We cannot agree. We cannot reconcile. We cannot restore a relationship alone. That's not something you can do unilaterally. And I see it happen so many times in romantic relationships where one partner or the other has been wronged and they're determined that in faith, they're just going to hold on and they're just going to forgive and they're going to cover this other person with what they call grace until that other person comes around. And I can tell you that if there is no repentance on that other person's part, you are wasting your time. I'm not saying that repentance won't come, but until there has been an expression of godly sorrow that leads to repentance changed action, then that kind of forgiveness cannot be bestowed because they're not seeking it. They don't want it. And you can't have reconciliation where both parties are not in agreement and how you're going to move forward. And how can we be in agreement when I believe I'm deserving of one kind of treatment and you are showing through your actions that you do not? We're not in agreement. And if we are not in agreement, then we cannot be in covenant relationship together. And if we cannot be in covenant relationship, then the idea that we can reconcile this thing is going to have to be denied or it's going to have to be delayed if and until we can come to an agreement. Now, if we can, right, we've resolved that we can, we have decided that not only will your action be forgiven, but I'm also, or you're going to bestow your forgiveness upon me because I've confessed and repented of the offense against you. And now we're moving towards reconciliation. Then we can start talking about this restoration because reconciliation is a beautiful thing, but it is a heavy thing because reconciliation, godly reconciliation means 100% restoration to harmony and to bringing together again. That's why you have to be on one accord. That's why that resolution has to take place. That's why true forgiveness on both parties has to be implemented because we cannot restore to 100% harmony if we're not in agreement about what went wrong, what we did to contribute to it, forgiving the action and one another, and how we're going to move forward together. This is why it's so important, again, to understand what conflict is to set up those rules about how we're going to engage in conflict, to understand the different types of conflict and the different tools that we implement with each of those types. And then last but not least, to understand the differences between resolution, forgiveness, and reconciliation. Because we can resolve that we're going to be people who forgive, but that doesn't always mean that that is a relationship that we're called back to and one that needs to be reconciled. And even in the cases where it is, we have to be prepared to do the work. It takes work to restore to 100% to get there spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically, and you can't do that alone. Do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so. So tonight, friend, we have talked about a lot concerning conflict. I hope I helped to bring some clarity to what it is, how we can engage in it, the different types and the differences between resolution, forgiveness, and reconciliation. Of course, always follow me on TikTok or Instagram at Shanae Lambert so that you can pick up on some additional tips, some just little tidbits on how you can better operate and address conflict when it shall arise. I love you so much. I look forward to talking to you again. I'm Shania, and this is Rooted.